welcome to Gab and Grow. I'm your host, Mary Beth Griffin, and this is a podcast that's introducing you to people, places, and resources at Western Connecticut State University. In just a minute, I'm going to introduce our guests who are going to speak to you in a whole lot more detail about what exactly is bystander intervention. Um, but for the first few minutes, I wanted to explain why this topic is being covered in Gab and Grow as a lot of people might suggest that it's not really related to your academics. This topic of bystander intervention is really centered around interpersonal and sexual violence, and that may be a little difficult for some of you to listen to. As I've said in some of our previous podcasts, I do hope you take the time to listen to this, but if you feel that you need some help, right here on campus there are some people who can help you, either at the Women's Center, who we're gonna hear more about in a bit, or through our Counseling Center, um, and other resources on campus, so please reach out to them if you need to. We believe that today's topic is directly related to your academic success, because if you're involved in interpersonal violence, whether it's through an assault, stalking, relationship difficulties, or just having a friend who's experienced something like that, it's having an impact on your academics. And the most important thing we think is that bystander intervention is something that really has meaning for everyone, Each of us has been near when something uncomfortable has been happening, when we have an opportunity to intervene and change the course of what's going on. Maybe you've seen someone drinking too much at a party and you want to be sure that something bad doesn't happen to them. Or maybe you've watched someone having a fight in a parking lot and were worried that something worse was going to happen. It could have been that you saw a parent yelling at a child in a grocery store and were concerned about the welfare of the child. These kinds of things happen every day, and there's always something we can do about it. So our discussion today is going to be about those situations and the ideas for what each of us can do. Our guests today, as we speak about bystander intervention, are Ms. Jesenia Minier-Delgado, our Chief Diversity Officer at WCSU, and Ms. Kara Mackler, Prevention Educator for the Women's Center of Greater Danbury. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So we've all heard about interpersonal violence and sexual assault. Can you talk a little bit more about it specifically, I guess? What is it and how does someone know if one of their friends in particular is experiencing it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me today. Sure. (laughs) Um, So abusive relationships in particular are typically kind of a pattern of behaviors that are rooted in power and control. And it's typically one partner exerting that power and control over the other. And we see this cycle um, where it's typically this honeymoon stage, everything is good, Mm -hmm. they're trusting that person, getting close with that person. Then slowly we see maybe a tension phase. Maybe someone starts to get very jealous of their partner. Who are they talking to, questioning what they're doing? And we see those behaviors starting to escalate, and then they may escalate into abusive behaviors, which can be physical or can be emotional or verbal or sexual, um, even digital. So Mm -hmm. there are many different forms that that abuse may take place. It's not always physical. Um, It may not always be actual violence that's happening. It could be the threat of violence, um, or it could just be manipulation um, or guilting that person and making that person feel like there are things they have to do, isolating them from their friends and family. And then ultimately, following that abuse is right back to that honeymoon stage. Where right. they're apologizing. I was going to say, it's kind of cyclical. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they've had a big argument and then they show up with flowers absolutely. and everything's better and I'm really sorry. And Yeah, they absolutely use that as a tool to kind of reel mm-hmm. that person back in, which is often why someone in the middle of it 
it's very hard for them to see what's happening um, because their partner is saying, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. I don't know what got into me, but I care about you so much and I promise I'll change, I promise I'll make it better. And then they do for a couple of days or a couple of weeks and then those patterns start to come up again. So in the middle of it, it's very hard for someone to kind of recognize those signs mm -hmm. um, because they want to believe that this person right. cares and yeah. that They've they are They've made a that. commitment to a relationship, so. Exactly. You know, historically, um, prevention strategies have always centered around the victim. Mm -hmm. Like, you shouldn't have gone out by yourself, mm -hmm. or you shouldn't have worn that, or you shouldn't have been drinking so much. And this bystander intervention idea is a really drastic shift from that. Can you, you know, either of you talk about Absolutely. that a little bit? So, Kara, you described a lot of pro-social behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, the ever cycle that you can observe and see that happens in a relationship or with a connection with more than one individual. And so in thinking of bystander intervention, it's about using strategies and techniques to help intervene in those emergency and non-emergency circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so when you see these pro-social behaviors really manifest, it's really important to know that bystander intervention, it, it, it occurs in everyday public situations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the idea is to focus on how best to intervene or help that individual when it's happening and to try to be as proactive but as safe as possible. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, sometimes it's just the act of interrupting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it's really easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> of course it does. We're all superheroes. Um, <laughs> I, I hid my cape today. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I think what's important too, like Justine was saying, it's there's so many things that we can do proactively before it gets to the point where it is physical violence or if it even gets to that point of physical right. violence. I think people look for those signs of, oh, they have a bruise, I have to do something. But there are so many things that we can do before it even gets to that point, if it even gets to that right. point, because not all relationships that are abusive right. are physical. So people kind of have these cues in their head of when it's the appropriate time to intervene, when in reality there are so many moments before that that they can. There's so many different kind of points of contact. And that even goes for sexual assault. If somebody is concerned about a situation, right, we would hope that at a party, if they mm -hmm. see someone who looks vulnerable and that someone might take advantage of that individual, we would hope that they would intervene before the sexual assault took place right. and maybe not after. Although even just being a friend to someone after the fact mm -hmm. is a great tool for intervention as right. well. Um, but even challenging sexist comments um, or homophobic comments, right. right? If you hear somebody saying something that is degrading to individuals, challenging that behavior is already contributing to a safer community because mm -hmm. we're saying this behavior is not okay. If we don't challenge that, it's kind of a, a pyramid where that bottom piece of the pyramid is the things we're gonna interact with the most. It's right. the comments and the things mm -hmm. we hear the objectification that we see in media and advertisements, when we challenge that on a daily basis, we're already setting the tone that that is not acceptable behavior. Right. If we don't, that can escalate to further abuse and violence, which then normalizes those behaviors. Mm -hmm. So early intervention is important. It's mm -hmm. key. It allows at least to avoid a problem, a crisis, or even a disaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I and I, I do think... That. You know, one of the things that I've been fascinated by in learning more about this is, while it may not always be easy, because sometimes as an intervener, 
you have to make good decisions about what you're going to do too. And yes. sometimes it can be just as easy as walking up to somebody and saying, gee, you know, you see, uh, you know, maybe a girl who's had too much to drink and somebody who's trying to lead her from the room and just interrupting what's happening and saying, do you have the notes from our science class? Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. that's something easy to do versus, you know, going up to the, the guy who's trying to lead her away and pulling him off of her. Right. Which could then result in you getting hurt, too. Absolutely. So sometimes it's just breaking that moment of, of something going on. And I think for me, that was one of the aha moments about this was really saying, it could be something, you know, heavy duty that you might feel like you need to do, but it could also be something really simple like yeah. interrupting a conversation or spilling a drink or, mm -hmm. you know, those Definitely. kinds of things. So I think that was one of the, the things that it really is, although it may not be easy, it is something anyone could do. Definitely. Yeah. I think there is this expectation, like I joked about the superhero yeah. cape, that it is supposed to be. I'm going to run in and save the day and take this big action to, like, stop this violence from happening. When in reality, one, that's not always safe. Yeah. Um, so safety is the number one rule of bystander intervention is don't become victim number two. Yeah. So whatever you can do in that situation to remove yourself, keep a distance, keep yourself safe. Sometimes that can be as simple as calling campus police um, or the town police, you know, wherever mm -hmm. you are. So knowing you know your distance if you're with others that's always safer right. for intervening but yeah sometimes it's not always directly challenging the behavior right. it depends on how comfortable you are in that moment mm -hmm. if it's someone like a friend of yours that's mm -hmm. doing the abuse and you feel comfortable saying you know we call it appealing to their best self yeah. so saying hey i know you and you seem like such a good friend to me why are you treating your partner that way yeah. i know you're better than this and that's a great way of intervening if someone you know and feel mm -hmm. comfortable with because it's not necessarily challenging saying, hey, that's not cool, which can be kind of scary right. and they might get defensive, but really trying to appeal to that part of them that they know. But if it's someone you don't know, calling the police or, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, distraction saying, hey, I need you for something over here. Come to this part yeah. of the room with me and then checking in. So, Kara, let me just kind of add a caveat to that. Going into the person you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the fact of how best to assess a situation when you don't know this person, you don't know the person that's involved, and how do you, how do you determine, as attempting to be an active bystander, what course of action to take? Yeah, I mean, you know, calming any person down mm -hmm. is one way of doing so. Just trying to figure out, hey, is everything okay? In mm -hmm. that aspect, you know, trying to gather as much information. That's another key way of trying to determine how best to act when you don't know the individuals or the parties that are involved. Are there any other strategies that we could also kind of advise on aside from, you know, assessing what the situation looks like, but what would be a good way to be an active bystander when you don't know the, the individuals that are involved? Yeah, so I think especially if it's in a setting where there are a lot of people around, mm -hmm. we do have that kind of bystander effect of, mm -hmm. oh, someone else will do something. Yep. It's none of my business. Yep. Or... Uh, I don't really know what's going on and kind of all the excuses run through our head, which is natural. Um, but I think I was just talking to Sydney, our counselor, um, earlier about this, that if you feel like something is wrong, chances are everyone around you probably mm -hmm. thinks the same thing. Yeah. And we're all probably thinking somebody else will do it and then nobody will. So right. getting others involved, especially if it is a stranger in the parking lot, something mm -hmm. like that type of situation, 
Um, it could be as simple as going into the grocery store that the parking lot is by and say, going to a manager or an employee saying, hey, I saw this happening you know, outside. Is there something you can do? Sometimes getting someone else to help is still intervening. Right. So even if you're not the one directly walking up and saying, don't do that, you're still helping the situation. And that's the whole point of the pro-social is that we want the bystanders, right, have this reputation of they stand by and do nothing, but we want that person who contributes a positive thing to that situation versus making it worse, versus putting themselves in danger. So even just getting someone else for help or asking the victim after the fact, hey, I heard that person yelling at you. Are you okay? Um, That's one of my favorite kind of techniques because it's acknowledging to that person, I saw that. You saw something. Yeah. 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 And I think what you said about that idea that somebody else is going to do it is is really important to think about because if we're all thinking that, then nobody's doing anything. And I, I, my daughter laughs at me because, you know, if we drive past an accident that I see happen or something, I'm usually the one who's, you know, dialing 911 and reporting Mm -hmm. it because, you know, I don't know if somebody else has called and if somebody is hurt. And it actually happened one time. I I did that same thing. And it was somebody I worked with here on campus. I didn't know their car. But, you know, he'd flipped over his car and it was a pretty serious accident and no one had called yet about it. So, you know, those are the kinds of things. It has nothing to do with the kind of situation we're talking about, but it's that kind of thing that that somebody needs to take action. And Mm -hmm. so finding a way for you to maybe do that interrupting of things that's not putting you at risk, you right. know, is is a perfect way to be of assistance to your fellow human being. Yes. So. Compassion. That's exactly. really what it comes down to, and empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great example because when you do see a car yeah. accident or a vehicle accident, everybody's stunned. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. stops. Everybody starts looking. They slowly go by. Mm-hmm. That's the same with any given yep. situation that might happen that might be emergency or not emergency. Mm-hmm. People tend to stop. They tend to stare. Right. They're not really doing much of anything. And we want to try to change that so that people are more active in doing something so that help can be made available to all the parties involved. Right. Now, I wanted to ask a little bit. I know we do an online training that new students are expected to do called Not Anymore. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it does have a module, right, about bystander intervention? That is correct. (laughs) Actually, as of this year, the CSCU has now basically mandated all of the universities, all the state Mm -hmm. universities and community colleges to use Not Anymore for all new students and very soon for our returning students. So um, new students, what they're asked to do is go through a series of modules and experiences and to basically learn more about uh, prevention of sexual violence and misconduct Mm -hmm. as well as bystander intervention. It's a 45-minute program. Um, But the expectation is that you're going to come out of it learning a whole lot more Mm -hmm. about how to protect yourself and others in a university setting. And so, you know, this is something that will be basically rolled out by mid-August so that prior to your registration, you would have all of this information readily available. Great. And, Kara, there are some programs that happen on campus, too, during the year that people get to learn about this, right? Yes, there are. <laughs> there are many. Um, yeah, I have the the fortune to come here and do programs in the resident halls. Mm-hmm. Um, we do awareness events on campus, particularly for October for Domestic right. Violence Awareness Month. We also do a lot in April for Sexual mm-hmm. Assault Awareness Month. So we 
definitely try to have a conversation right. on campus and we try to keep it um it's hard to say positive but yeah. we try to keep it light um because yeah. we don't want to scare individuals right. um, we want to just educate them and make them aware of what's going on um, so some of our, our events are more kind of light and positive we talk about healthy relationships mm -hmm. and then others can be more serious about you know the damaging effects of dating violence and domestic violence in our communities but yeah we have education programs that are free all of our services at the women's center are free so we come in we do programs on health relationships dating abuse consent and sexual assault um, bystander intervention we have our bringing in the bystander program that we started rolling out last year and received very positive feedback on it and i think because it really is giving tangible tools mm -hmm on how to intervene. So kind right. of like the conversation we were having and there's role plays uh, or scenarios more mm -hmm. um, about things that students have really seen. And I had multiple students come up after each presentation saying, I have a friend in an abusive relationship, what should I do? Or this presentation really gave me insight into what's happening in my family member's life or my friend's or my roommate's life. And it was a very relevant issue for students. So. We're happy to offer those programs here. Great. Also, mm -hmm. let me mention that mm -hmm. on the Office of Diversity and Equity website, we have a two-page back front brochure about a campus safety plan. And it just oh, permits yeah. that user to plan out and map out if they are experiencing any form of sexual misconduct mm -hmm. or violence to find good strategies on how to keep themselves safe yeah. while on campus as well as off campus. So it is relevant. Yeah, it's actually to, a really good tool. Yeah. It so is. It's yeah. great. It's relevant for resident students as well as commuter students. Mm -hmm. So it addresses what things they should be familiar and aware of, again, commuting off campus or living on campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you want to give us again your office's email or website address? Absolutely. So that would be www.wcsu.edu slash diversity. And if a student or a member of the university wishes to contact the Office of Diversity and Equity, you can find us at uh, so you can email us at ode at wcsu.edu or contact the office at 203-837-8444. And Kara, the Women's Center offices are right here in Whitehall, where we are right now. Yes, it is, right around the corner. It's right around the corner, <laughs> 003? Yes, 03A. Mm -hmm. And is there a phone number if people wanted to call? Yes, so our office number, I actually don't have it on me right now. I can get it. I um, believe it's 203-837-3939. 3939, there you go. I should have written that down. No, that's okay. I know our, our community office numbers and I know our hotlines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have our community off, or we have our office here in Whitehall, 203-837-3939. Yes. And we have our hotlines that are 24-7. So that is literally 365, doesn't matter if it's holiday, middle of the night, anytime, and that's 203-731-5206 or 5204. Great. So those are the two hotlines, um, and they can walk in, they can call us, email, anytime. If they want to get information about what we were kind of talking about today, mm -hmm. just like basic knowledge, they can go to our website, and that's just www.wcogd.org. Great. Thank you so much. This is a really important topic, and I'm so grateful for your time, but also the knowledge that you bring to this. So, again, if you have any questions that didn't get answered today and you would like that, or if you have any future topics you'd like to hear us cover, you can email me at griffinm at wcsu.edu. And that's it for this episode of Gavin Bro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>